are 15 other churches that give what they can, that, that take up offering and they give back and they send us checks and support what God is doing here in Regent Park. Our church exists because churches just like this New Testament church we're going to talk about tonight give what they can to bless us because they believe in us and they believe that God is at work in our church. How many of us remember the taste of the nations? Remember that in November? Thank you, Jan. Thank you. Oh, Judy. Was, all right. A couple of us. I mean, it was at least 90 days ago. Maybe, maybe 120. Back in November. And it was a great night where some of you prepared some cultural food. Some of you brought some injiri. Some of you brought some spring rolls. Some of you brought food from all over the place. Tim made his jerk chicken and shared it with us. And I, we all went home pretty full that night. But we also gave. And as a result of your gift, we were able to send $300 to, to a missionary in Bolivia. And we're thankful to have some, some global workers here with us tonight. I hope you have a chance to meet with Stephen and Rebecca, their little daughters in there with Kids Church. Uh, but we bless them and thank them for, for being with us. But behind the scenes, we were fairly behind in, in our budget going into September. And so here we had planned to, to take up an offering for Paula in January. We had planned to take an offering in November for this missionary. We were still supporting our missions uh, child, the compassion child who lives in Ecuador. And behind the scenes, we were in the red as far as our budget goes. And as we met as a board, as we prayed about it, you said, you know what, we've made these commitments and we're going to move forward. We're going to cut the checks. We're going to, we're going to give. We're going to call that. I believe what God has called us to do and move forward. In December, we had $20,000 come in that was unexpected. Often what happens is, is I go out and, and I might share a newsletter. I might connect with a church. I, I might reach out to, to a pastor who has expressed interest in hearing a little bit more. That's often how we are able to, to tell the story and to see our church continue to, to grow and move forward through the support of other churches. But this $20,000 came in completely unexpectedly. Completely people that I had no idea even knew our church was here. But God moved upon them to give. And I believe that's a powerful principle that we see in Scripture, that when we believe it and we act on it, we say, God, all that I have is yours, and I'm going to give back a little bit of what you've given to us, even though things are a little bit tight, even though as a church we're a little bit behind, we believe in the powerful principle of supporting your work around the world and here in Toronto, and as a result, God showed up in a big way. We see that giving was a habit of the early church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, starting at verse 1, Paul writes now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So there's a need. The church in Jerusalem that was started by the disciples 
was lacking. They were hurting. They may have been starving. And so Paul travels around and he asks all the other churches. He asks the Galatian church. He asks other churches that we see in the New Testament to help this church in Jerusalem. Friends, our church exists because other churches around take collections on a regular basis and say we believe in the church in Regent Park. We know that there are hurting people that need help. We know that there are people that don't have a church that's close to them and and they want to come and grow in their faith. And so they take collections for us. And that is why we want to continue to one day become a church that not only collects but helps plant and helps start other churches and helps support missionaries around the world. And we've started and we're going to continue to make that a part of who we are as a church. But we learn three things about how the early church was in this habit of giving. Firstly, we see that they did it every week, the first day of the week. In other words, the first day from the Sabbath. That's what the original language says. The Sabbath ended Saturday night, and they would meet Sunday. And so we know that there are other churches that meet on Saturday. We're not a Seventh-day Adventist church. We believe the Old Testament, but we also follow the example of the New Testament church that met on Sunday. And not that there's anything wrong with meeting Saturday or Sunday, but we shouldn't say we should only meet Saturday and everyone else who doesn't meet Saturday is wrong. We see that giving is an act of worship. It wasn't a duty, wasn't something that they were forced to do, but it was a way to not bring attention to themselves, but, but to say, God, I'm going to give back to you because you've given to me. It was part of their worship. That's why I enjoy having the offering play at the back table. That after the first or second song, as we are expressing our praise to God, it's part of our worship. It can be a worshipful practice that we can say, God, I'm singing songs that express how I feel. I'm singing these songs that are a prayer for my heart, and I am going to give at the same time. But again, there's no pressure or compulsion on you to give. But we also want to give an opportunity for you to practice this spiritual habit that transforms. So we shouldn't do it out of a sense of duty or we're forced to do it, but as an act of worship, showing how much God is worthy and of worth in our life. Secondly, we see that everyone, the word each, I looked it up in the Greek, it means each. Each and every person should give. It doesn't say each and every person should give all that they have. It doesn't say each and every person should give a million. It just says they should give something, what they can't have. It's within proportion with what God has given us. God doesn't ask for everything that you have. God gave you everything that you do have. And if you give back to him, that he will give you more because you can be trusted with it. God asks us to give back because it, it reminds us of the importance of depending on him. The importance that he is our source, that he is the one that has given us life and all that we have. And when we give back to him, we show that we can be trusted and he will give us more. And so we see they gave every week, they give everyone, and secondly, we see every income. Paul encourages to, to set it aside in keeping with your income. 
Giving is to, to be a portion of what you have made. And we should decide in our heart or, or pray about it or, or think about it. God understands that not everyone is making a full-time wage. God understands that some of us come from very challenging situations. And that is why it's not a dollar amount. It's a percentage. If you have no income in, then maybe there's no need to give. If you make a little, then we give 10% or a little of what God has given us. Now, for the Jewish believers in that church, the Old Testament speaks a lot about the tithe. Jesus speaks to the Pharisees who are only concerned about tithing. That they would, would be so concerned about tithing that they would make sure that they were, were spe- ex- tithing the exact amount, even down to their spices. But yet they weren't showing love. They weren't showing jo- justice. They weren't standing up for the poor. They weren't helping the marginalized or the oppressed. And so Jesus says, you need to be more concerned about showing love and taking care of widows and orphans and, and making a difference. But, but other than that passage, we don't learn a lot in the New Testament about tithing. And some would say, well, that's maybe we don't need to tithe. That's an Old Testament practice. But we don't see anywhere in the New Testament where Jesus forbade us from tithing. A lot of commentators believe that Paul doesn't talk or put a percentage on it because there may be some that could give more than 10%. We're encouraged to give generously. We're encouraged to give cheerfully. And it's likely that Paul doesn't want to just limit people to 10%. I want to share with you a passage from the Old Testament. that talks about the power of giving back to God. How many of you like a test? Driving tests. University tests. I don't know. The only time I liked to test when I was confident, when I knew something. Like, if you want to test me about Toronto sports, I'm, I'm all about it. If you want to test me about steak, I could tell you a little bit about that. Those are tests that I could excel at. Oh, boy, John. Is this a Toronto sports question? No. Okay, well, I don't want to test me. Okay. What did the Lord say when a bunch of people gathered in this church? Well, he said there should be white, there should be colored, there should be Spanish. All right. You know what he said? What? Right. That's right. Okay. I agree. Everyone's welcome here. Thanks, John. I thought you were going to ask me a tough question there. Like, like what was Esau's middle name or something? Okay. Okay. I don't know. All right. Well, you can test me later. But we read Malachi chapter 3. And God is confident that we can test him when it comes to tithing. In verse 10, he says, Bring the whole tithe, which means tenth, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and, and pour out a blessing 
that there will be not room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your field and will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations, like John talked about, will call you blessed, for yours will be delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And we know that the Old Testament isn't null and void just because Jesus came. I mean, there are some of the laws and some of the minute laws that were important as the Israelites were traveling through the desert. But if the New Testament doesn't abolish what the Old Testament says when it comes to tithing, nor should we. And God says to test him in this, to, to, to put him to the test, to try him. That if you give 10%, even if it's a dollar a month, that will he not pour out a blessing that you will not be able to contain it? I mean, we see the storehouse was, was the temple and they had rooms in the temple that they would collect the food so that they could take care of people who didn't have enough to eat. To take care of the Levites who were involved in setting up worship. If the Levites weren't there, there wasn't any place for people to worship. And so they would bring their 10% of what they had to the storehouse. And God encourages them to continue to do that. And God will continue to pour out so blessing that they would be protected. Essentially is what the Bible is saying. That they would have everything they need and more. That if they brought 10 in that God would bless that 90% so that they could continue to take care of their own and help others and bless others. Malachi says that all the other nations will look at you and say, wow, they are blessed. They are taken care of. They are living in a heightened state of happiness because they're not depending on their own ability to produce wealth. They're not pretending on the government to take care of them. They, they are depending on God. And they believe the whole Bible. They believe the whole truth. Not just the parts that are easier to follow and live out. I know it's not easy. But when we live a courageous Christian life. And we believe God's promises that God will take care of us. And give back to us. It was a habit that we see in the Old Testament. It's a habit that was carried on into the New Testament. I believe that these promises are for us as well. That when we test God, when we give back 10% of what he gives to us, that he will bless that 90, that he will open our eyes to how good he is, that he will protect us and watch over us and will give us more because we don't depend on our own wallets. We don't depend on our own ability to make money, but we're saying, God, I put my trust in you. And this is not, this is a hard truth. This is something that's for mature people. This is something that may stretch us, but when we test God, then I believe God is going to pass with flying colors and take care of us. I came across this powerful historical story a, a number of years ago, and I've hung on to it because it, just underlines how much God loves us and cares for us. And sometimes he brings us to a point where he says, I want your heart. I want you to depend upon me. I want you to trust me. David Livingston was was a missionary to Africa, and he went to Central Africa to, to share about Jesus. And he went and he began to, to visit different villages 
And he came to this one village with this tribal chieftain, and his guide was with him, and he says, well, they have this practice of, of the chieftain choosing one of your possessions to keep, and then he will give you something. And so David Livingston got a little bit nervous. He's like, well, you know, I, I have my books, and I have some of my possessions, but I, I really can't give away my prize possessions, his goat. He had clothes, he had his books, he had a watch. And he was worried that the chief, out of all those beautiful items, he was going to walk up and pick that goat. And sure enough, the chieftain looked at all, he picked up the clothes, he flipped through the books, and then he took David Livingston's goat. But in return, he gave him a curved stick. David Livingston went back to his camp with the guide, and he was pretty discouraged. He was worried about what was going to happen next. He was worried about the journey and how they were to continue on and do what God had called them to Africa. But the local guide, he was pretty excited at that stick. The guide said, that's the king's scepter. That's the king's scepter. That's a sign of the authority and the power of this king. And now as a result of that stick, that curved stick, you will be able to go into any village and be welcomed warmly. You will be able to go anywhere in this part of Africa. The king has given you a truly beautiful gift. That David could have refused. He could have held on to his prized possession. He could have kept the goat and likely would have, if he was lucky, headed back to Scotland. But because he gave even his most prized possession back to the king, that God opened up Africa. And we remember him to this day as one of the most amazing missionaries to ever walk this earth. And friends, I think that's why God asks us to give. There are other passages throughout Scripture that, that talk about how money can have us. That we can have money, but then money can have us. And it could take us down, and it could keep us from trusting God. It can keep us from being the people that He's called us to be. And God doesn't need our money, but He asks for 10% of it back because it shows us that we put our trust and our faith in him to provide for us. That God is our provider. That God is our sustainer. That God is the one that takes care of us. Jan, do you want to just uh, get Pastor Kim to come on back? And friends, I want to encourage you for one time this year to prayerfully consider testing God in this. Saying, God, I may, may not make a lot, but I'm going to give... 10% of what I do back to you. And if God fails the test, so be it. I haven't found that he's failed me. We've had lots of challenges, lots of ups and downs, but God continues to surprise us that when we give back to him, my wife and I, that God continues to meet all of our needs. 
Because our faith is not in ourselves. It's not in the church in Regent Park to provide. It's, it's not in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada to stop up. It's a recognition that, God, you're the one that takes care of us. That you're the one that's going to provide for us. And so we put our faith and our trust in you. We're just going to bow in prayer, John, and then, then we'll, we'll talk, okay? So why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes? And maybe today you say, you know what? I'm going to test you in that. I'm going to take 10% of what I get. Again, it's not the amount. It's the attitude of the heart that God desires. Say, God, I'm going to give 10% back to you. I'm going to give back to you, not because you need it, God, not because you want to ruin my life, not because you want to make things harder, but you want to set me free from the hold money can have on me. And it's a sign that I can trust you, that I can give you my whole heart, that I prioritize you, God, above every other else, my comfort. And God, I recognize that there's a lot of people that have challenging times and God are thankful But we don't have to give all of what we have. We don't have to to stretch ourselves and give 50 or 60%. But God, will you give us 10%, Lord, I pray, that you would bless my friends 90%. And that they truly would experience what it means to have a full storehouse in 2020. Or that they would experience what it means to be protected, to be watched over. To miraculously not be able to understand how they could have money at the end of the month, even though they've given some away. And so, God, I pray for my friends here tonight. Lord, I know we are a blessed church. Lord, this church gave $30,000 last year, and we thank you for that, for their generosity. And, God, we're thankful that as we, as a church, practice collections, that we practice blessing missionaries around the world. Lord, that we continue to take what comes in and rent a building so that we can feed hundreds every Saturday of night. Lord, we pray that we would be found faithful to be able to do more. Lord, that we would one day be a church that doesn't depend the collections of others, but begins to bless and begins to plant and begins to support. And so, God, we just pray that as we're faithful with the little that we have, as we're faithful to choose to depend upon you, Lord, that you would take what we give and you would multiply it. And God, we want to give you thanks for coming through miraculously in 2019. God, I know that there was a couple months where I was a little bit worried at looking at the financials. There was a couple board meetings where I was a little bit worried about putting documents across the table. But God, we didn't shrink back. We said, we're going to trust your word. We're going to test you, God, and we're going to bless Michelin in Bolivia. We're going to bless Sophia, who lives in Ecuador. We're going to bless Paula, who's serving on the streets of Toronto. We're going to trust you're going to come through, and we're thankful that you did. And so, God, I just pray that every person will leave this place encouraged. Lord, this is a message not of compulsion. This is a message not of pressure. This is not a message of guilt or shame. But this is a pastor who loves his people, who's called to share the entire word of God, to encourage them in a spiritual practice that will transform 
their lives. And so, God, I pray that you would continue to, to speak to us, that you would continue to guide us, that you would continue to set us free to serve you. Lord, that maybe there are areas of our lives where, where you would open up ways that we could save, ways and habits that maybe we need to, to prune away. But, Lord, we're thankful. We celebrate that this church that started with five or six people four years ago continues to grow, continues to share about Jesus, continues to open up the circle. And, God, we pray that you would bless each and every person's finances, that you would bless them in their giving, that you would surprise them with the, the check that they get receive in the mail every month, that you, as they have their taxes assessed, would give them more because they don't depend on the Canadian government, because they don't depend on their pension, they don't depend on their job, but they depend on the Lord Almighty. And I pray that people around them, that nations around them would look and say, wow, they are blessed. Not because they trust in themselves, but they trust in God. And so Lord, I pray tonight that you would just encourage my friends, Lord, as we sing this song, and we wrap up our service tonight, that they would know that they're loved. And I pray that you would speak to them about what you're going to do in their lives as they continue to grow in their faith with you. In Jesus' name we ask and we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to meet and have some refreshments together. But before we do, why don't we stand and sing this beautiful song that, that reminds us of God's faithfulness and God's care. And how much God can provide and take care of us. Why don't we sing together? Worthy of every song we could ever sing.